Hey, two in a row for the Jets. Are we looking at three, four, dare I say five? Where does the fun stop this week? We're talking about it on the Brandon Contis Jets podcast right now. Contis, I am a Contis. You better like me. I'm from Patchogue. All righty, nice job with the free music YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Contest Jets podcast on SB Nation, episode 19 of my first ever sports podcast, where we keep it simple, we keep it short, never more than 20 minutes. If I have more to say, I just put it in another podcast. But they go 2-1 and one against the Dolphins, Giants, and Redskins. Probably should have been 3-0. They're better than the Dolphins. They, they should have beat the Miami Dolphins, but at the same time, I probably, when they were 1-7, and seven, I would have looked at this three-game set and said I would sign for 2-1. and one. But now they take a step up in competition. And the Oakland Raiders, they're a good step up without jumping to the elite class of teams. The Jets should be thankful to the schedule makers because it's saving their season from total embarrassment. The fact that they were able to play against brutal teams like the Giants and the Redskins in recent weeks. Teams that are reeling even more than the Jets are. But now it's the Oakland Raiders, who are better, but they're beatable. A surprising 6-4 and four on the year, battling for a playoff spot. But this is a team that was brutal last year, 4-12, and 12, and they didn't do a whole lot in the offseason to get better. I think we kind of still consider this to be a transitional year for the Oakland Raiders, aside from bringing in Antonio Brown and then needing to get rid of him before the season started and having to deal with that whole debacle. But this is a team that got better because they drafted really well. And give Mike Mayock credit for that and give John Gruden credit for that and give John Gruden credit for looking like he still knows how to coach in this league. And then from the Raiders, the schedule makers were so kind to the Jets again. Give them the 0-10 Bengals and the 2-8 and Dolphins. So if the Jets can beat the Raiders, and that is a big if, a five-game winning streak is not off the table for this team heading into Baltimore, which is crazy to think about and crazy to dream about. But for now, let's just focus on making sure the Jets don't fall back into their hideous ways, the ways that we saw against the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and the Patriots not that long ago. And I keep seeing stories about needing to give Adam Gase time and how firing Gase would be a mistake and treating it like getting this team to 3-7 and seven is some sort of accomplishment for Gase and the Jets. That beating the Giants and the Redskins is an accomplishment. And that Gase kept the locker room together after the 1-7 and seven start. But I'm not about to pat him on the back for that because this season is already a failure for the Jets. The Jets have failed in 2019, and it's not because they're going to miss the playoffs. It's not because they're going to finish with a losing record. It's because we're going to walk away from this season. We're going to walk away from Sam Darnold's second year in the league and not know what he is as a quarterback. We will not know if Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback at the end of this year. And that is a major failure and a major indictment on the head coach. If the Jets should find themselves finishing 3-13 and this year, Gase should be gone no matter what. And now I do not expect that to happen. I expect a couple of wins. I expect Gase to be back. But I don't expect to know what Darnold is by the end of the year. And I'll certainly I'll feel better about Darnold with each win, and I'll feel better about Darnold every single week that he plays well. Every week that Darnold plays well right now at this point, it's not about wins and losses. Every week that he plays well is a victory. If you remember back to last year, the second-to-last game of the season against the Green Bay Packers, Darnold had his best game of the year, the Jets lost, but we walked away from that game feeling really, really good about what Sam Darnold's potential was in this league. If the Jets lose a game 35-28, to if the Jets lose a game but Darnold plays well, I'm still going to feel good about that game because the development of Sam Darnold is the priority right now. It's year two when Sam has had three good games. That's it. Three. And there's only six games left. Nine good games are not going to prove to me that the Jets found their franchise quarterback. So the thought was that the Jets found their quarterback in the draft, but we've already wasted two years from him. So even if he is the franchise guy, two years are gone. 
And if you're going to draft a quarterback and win, you better do it early. You better do it quickly. If the Ravens are going to win with Lamar Jackson, they better do it quickly. If the Chiefs are going to win with Pat Mahomes, they better do it soon. Because unless you have an elite player, an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, a Russell Wilson, unless you have one of those guys, once you pay your quarterback, it is really, really hard to win consistently. It is really, really hard to get to the Super Bowl. Even with Rodgers and Wilson, neither of those teams have, the the Packers and the Seahawks, they haven't sniffed a championship since they paid their quarterbacks. And the Jets already wasted two years of Darnold's rookie contract. He has two years left on his rookie deal after this. If he proves to be a decent quarterback, if he proves to be a top 15 quarterback next year, he's going to be looking to get paid, and he's going to be looking to get paid soon. And once you pay him, it's very hard to pay anybody else on your roster. So yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating to sit here at the end of November and know that the Jets season is over and know that the Jets have no hopes of making the playoffs. And it's been that way for pretty much the entire season for the Jets. There was really no point other than maybe week one of the year when the Jets are up 16 nothing against the Bills. Other than that, I don't think there's really any other time that I thought the Jets had a chance at making the playoffs this year, a legitimate, realistic chance at making the playoffs. So to know that the Jets have no chance at the playoffs and to know that we're going to walk away from this season unsure what Sam Darnold is, unsure if we have a franchise quarterback, and if we do have a franchise quarterback, we just wasted the first two years of his career, the first two years of his rookie contract. So yeah, I'm not exactly just pumped up about the fact that Adam Gase was able to keep the Jets from folding when they were 1-7, and seven, and he was able to get the Jets to go out and beat the Redskins and the, and the Giants. Yes, when I'm watching those games, I was excited. I enjoyed the fact that Darnold looks better, and I'll enjoy the fact if Darnold looks better against the Raiders this week as well, but I'm not going to pat Adam Gase on the back. I'm not about to say that his job is safe and his job should be safe. If this team goes 3-13, and Adam Gase should be gone. And there are three reasons, looking at this team right now, there are three reasons why I think there is no way the Jets can win five games in a row. Sam Ficken, Le'Veon Bell, and the offensive line. Let's chat about it on the other side of the break, back after this. I know Joe Douglas was put into a tough spot getting hired late in the offseason to be the general manager of this team, but there were three glaring holes. There were three blatant holes that everybody knew. Every Jet fan knew when when Joe Douglas was hired that the Jets were awfully weak at the cornerback position, at the kicking position, and on the offensive line. And Douglas was unable to do anything to improve this team. Then. And again, look, I know free agency for the most part was over. He, he had slim pickings on who he could bring in here. But you would have liked to see him be creative with some something that, that worked aside from Ryan Khalil was a disaster of a move. It was a waste of $8 million. So nothing that he brought in worked. Khalil did not work. Sam Ficken has not worked. And what's amazing to me is doesn't it seem that if you play a skill position in any type of professional sport, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, hockey, doesn't it seem that every single player gets stronger, gets faster, gets more accurate, gets more, gets better at their position than we've ever seen in the past. Yet for whatever reason, this year especially, the kicking position throughout the NFL, Sam Ficken has been brutal, but kicking throughout the league has been bad. And I know that they moved the extra point back, so naturally you're going to see more missed extra points, but it just seems like Kicking under pressure is so much more difficult than it used to be. It seems like a, a you know a 35-yard field goal is no longer a chip shot field goal the way it used to be. I mean, you used to think that inside the 40, there was a there was a, a 10-year span where inside the 40 was just automatic, and it just seems this year that the the kicking throughout the league has just regressed, and it's very strange to see. 
When every other athlete in every other sport just seems to continuously be getting better. We don't see many athletes regress in this era, in this day and age of professional sports. But for whatever reason, the kicking game has significantly regressed. And it's it's frustrating to watch. And it's certainly, I mean, it makes the end of games a little bit more exciting because you really don't know if somebody's going to hit an extra point. You don't know with a game on the line if somebody's going to be able to hit a 40-yard field goal, let alone a 50-plus yard field goal, where there was a time where it felt like those were becoming automatic. Uh, certainly not the case this season. But Sam Ficken, absolutely a reason why I don't think the Jets can win five games in a row. I just, I don't think that they're, they're not good enough on specials. They're not good enough in the kicking game to put together a five-game win streak. Le'Veon Bell, he has not rushed for more than 70 yards once this entire season. And in 2017, his last year with the Steelers, Bell ran for more than 70 yards eight times. And I, I we've, we've put blame on the offensive line, which certainly deserves blame. We've put blame on the coaching, which certainly deserves blame as well. But at some point, a lot of the blame has to fall on Le'Veon Bell. And... I refuse to think that his skills have regressed this much, especially since it wasn't really, it wasn't his speed that made him great. It was his ability to let things formulate and, and find running lanes. And, and Adam Gase needs to help this offensive line get better. He needs to help this offensive line create lanes for Bell. But Bell needs to do a better job himself. It can't all be on the offensive line and all be on the head coaching. But Bell was brought in here to be a dynamic offensive player, and he's been anything but. He's been a below-average running back for this team. That's really what it comes down to. Le'Veon Bell, not only has he been disappointing, not only has he not lived up to the expectations of being an elite running back, he's been below average. At this point, I mean, it makes more sense to see more from Bilal Powell than it does to, to see more from Le'Veon Bell because he just really hasn't been good. And without Bell being that dynamic offensive player, again, I, I, without being able to rely on him and, and, and see this running game get better, I, I don't know how the Jets win five games in a row. And then the offensive line. And even if even if Beachman and Doga play, which it looks like they're going to, this offensive line is in the bottom five in the league. And like I said, Gase needs to figure out a way to get better lanes for Bell from the offensive line. He needs to figure out a way to get some better protection for Sam Darnold. And this is the type of game you could see the, the Oakland Raiders just eating up this O-line. And the O-line has been absolutely brutal. And if you can't get more from the running game, if you can't get more from the offensive line, it's really hard to expect Sam Darnold to continue development as they now start to play a better class of teams than the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Redskins. And who knows if we're even going to see Le'Veon Bell on the field for the Jets the entire season because he came out and made the comments complaining, say that he's not going to take another drug test this season. And he, he's already through the first half of the year, he took five, was drug tested five times, and they're supposed to be random, but there's there's no way that they, they are random. I, I think they absolutely have a, a pool of smaller guys, uh, a, less, a, a lesser amount of guys within a pool that they probably pull from. Uh, and Le'Veon Bell, for whatever reason, having failed a drug test previously, gets put into that pool, and that's why he's tested more often than than some others. It's not it's not 100% completely random with every single person in the league. I don't think they necessarily just say this guy exactly. You're going to go drug test him right now. There's some sort of randomness to it, uh, but I, I think they they target a specific group of players, and they get put into a probably put into a separate pool, and and then they pull from that pool randomly. But if Le'Veon Bell does get 
another drug test. And I mean, would you be shocked if he does refuse to take it? And then the NFL says that he can't go out onto the field. He can't play if he doesn't take that drug test. I mean, we've seen him sit out an entire year before. So it wouldn't be crazy if they come calling for another drug test in a few weeks. And he says, no, I'm just going to sit out the rest of the season. I would certainly wouldn't put it past him. He certainly has the ability to do that. We've seen it from him before. So I don't think and I know we kind of like laughed when we heard these comments from Bell. But I don't think this is the last that we've heard of this story because I do think there's a good chance that they come back and they say, we're going to drug test you again. And I think there's a really good chance that Bell says no and then just sits out the rest of the season. I also saw CJ Mosley's trying to get back on the field and I kind of I forgot that they didn't just put him on IR. I just I kind of counted him out for the season. But he says he's looking to return and he's ramping up his, his workouts and ramping up his running. But at the same time, surgery is also possible. So who knows if we're actually going to see Mosley get back on the field. And I'll tell you what, do I have any confidence that we will ever see C.J. Mosley at 100% again? I don't. It is hard to give money to a big free agent and actually see that pay off. I mean, we saw it with, with Bart Scott signing him away from the Ravens and it worked out. But especially when you're signing a guy from like the Ravens or from the Patriots, you see Nate Soldier with the with the, the Giants be a disappointment. We're now seeing C.J. Mosley through at least the first year being a big disappointment for the Jets. Obviously, Tremaine Johnson was a brutal signing. It's hard to get more than one or two good years out of these guys because if they're going to have that type of long-term success, probably the team that was letting them go would sign them and would retain them. And if you're wasting the first year of a contract and C.J. Mosley's first year has been completely wasted, there's no question about that. And with that being the case and with the Ravens deciding to move on from C.J. Mosley and with him having a legitimate injury that's forced him to miss an entire year and he's being paid as the highest paid linebacker in the league, do I think we're going to get the, the type of production that you deserve out of paying a guy to make him the highest paid linebacker in the game? But do I do I think now, coming off of a, a big-time injury that forced him to miss it an entire season, do I think that he's going to come back and he's going to be an elite linebacker next year? That's It's unrealistic, and and that's frustrating. Again, I mean, we, 16 nothing. we were getting a dominant half out of C.J. Mosley. And you go from that to just now thinking, like, are you even going to get 80% of what you thought you were getting when you signed him. And I just, I, I don't, I don't see how that's likely. So look, odds are I'd be surprised if he comes back on the field. They probably should have put him on IR already, but they didn't. They're trying to get a little bit out of him. You just hope that he could be somewhat productive next year and not, uh, not, not total dead money, but uh, it's the type of contract that the, the Jets are probably going to try to move on from at the end of next season. And then Marcus May, he's probably a guy that the Jets are going to move on from as well. Year three now. For Marcus May, after missing all of year two, had a decent rookie season, looked like he was going to be a player after his rookie year, looked like he was really closer to the level of Jamal Adams than what he is now. But now Jamal Adams has skyrocketed to maybe the best safety in football, and Marcus May looks like he's playing himself off this team. He had a good game against the Cowboys, but aside from that, his season has been pretty, pretty quiet. And if Mike McCagnum was still here, I would say that Marcus May would definitely get year four of his rookie contract, and they would still keep him around for that. But with him not being a Joe Douglas guy, with him not being drafted by part of this regime, and him having as bad of a season as he's had in year three, I don't, I don't think that the Jets are going to bring him back for year four. I don't think that they, they, they don't hold any loyalty towards him. And like I, I've said in the past, I don't think they want Mike McCagnin guys here. I think they want to bring in as many of their own guys as they can. And I absolutely see Marcus May as a guy that if, if this trend continues for this season, he's probably playing himself off the New York Jets. 
Can we see something from Quinn and Williams this week, please, against the Raiders? Can, can he be the dominant player that we thought we were getting in the draft? Can, we be, can he be the dominant player, the, the can't-miss prospect that everybody treated him like he was in the offseason? Because we're, we're quickly starting to see people make excuses for him. We're quickly starting to see the Leonard Williams treatment for Quinn and Williams and, and saying how he's doing the dirty work and he's double-teamed and, and saying how he's getting close to the quarterback and he's close to breaking out. But we said that for Leonard Williams, and it lasted for five years. I don't want that to be the case with Quinn and Williams. I want to see him get better, and I want to see him get better now. Please just go out and get, like, two sacks against the Raiders and two sacks against Derek Carr. Have the dominant type of game and be the dominant type of player that everybody talked about you being that can't-miss prospect in the draft and the can't-miss prospect during the offseason and the comparisons to Reggie White and all of that. So go out and have that type of game. Help the Jets win. Help the Jets beat the Raiders. Let's see Sam Darnold have a big game. Let's see Sam Ficken not miss any extra points. Let's see Marcus May have a big game. Let's see some creativity from Adam Gase. Let's see Le'Veon Bell get involved and have a big game. And let's see the Jets beat the Raiders heading into the games against the Bengals and the Dolphins. And maybe have a chance at a five-game win streak. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes soon. And as always, big up.